That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion When the moon hits your eye And it's 4.45 That's November Oh, it's so worth it talking to you into doing that. That was yeah. great. I only hesitated because it is a tweet. I forget by who, so I hey. suck at crediting. But um, it's fine. I think by law now, if you put something on the internet, it is public domain uh, immediately. I believe that's the law. Tell that to the musicians complaining about royalties <laughs> on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Oh, those those musicians. Yeah. Uh, they always have so many grievances. It's like. Come on. Yeah, could do a whole episode about that. We could do a whole episode about that. I, I don't even know how musicians would strike. Like, I don't, it's, it's so jacked up. Mm. I don't even know how it would begin. Yeah, it's so decentralized. <laughs> right. How does a musician make money? Right there, you're talking about 100 different situations right. and nobody's communicating with each other. Yeah. It's like, what? oh, all the indie artists are going to pull their music off Spotify? Spotify would be like, okay, great. Have fun. <sighs> you get me or you get Joe Rogan. You can't have both. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Thin Lear says. That's what Thin Lear and Niagara Moon say. And the people wept. <laughs> well, that's a great way to start today's episode. Uh, we have a lot of new listeners this month. I don't really know why. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why you're listening. I think you should probably stop. I mean, if I were you. No, 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 no. Keep going. Keep this it rolling. Is, I think this is this is an interesting episode to jump into. I think I got a fun one today. Ooh. Do you have a fun one? Do you have a serious one? Or a- no, it's I got some fun stuff for my segment. This is losing my opinion. I am banana bread baking indie artist Niagara Moon, aka Thomas Irwin. I am monkey bread eating indie artist Thin Lear, aka Matt Lago. What's monkey bread? Monkey bread. It's like this cinnamon style sticky bread. Is this some Hoboken shit you're I telling don't, me about I don't here? live in Hoboken for the thousandth time. sounds very New Jersey. I never heard of monkey bread. It's just a regular thing, and it's delicious. Mm. Yeah, it's like dessert cake, kind of dessert bread. Interesting. Intriguing. <laughs> it's all about, yeah. Um, we'll sp- go, go ahead. for it. No, <laughs> now you. <laughs> Let's launch into my segment here. I feel like I have a decent one today. I, I was curious today to see if we had covered this ground in some fashion. I feel like you're going to tell me, Matt, you've done this episode before. Like we're getting to that point in the show hmm. where we start repeating ourselves. Thomas, what makes a great fake band? Like a great TV or movie band? Oh, what makes a great one? Oh, I love it because I've had this idea for a segment, but I just haven't pulled the trigger. But refrain from too many specific examples, but tell me what makes a quality one. Um, the producer of the movie or whoever, director, hires a actual musician in the real world mm. to make the music for the fake band in the context of the story. You have like mm. a really talented artist not be themselves and generate music, whether they're just writing it or maybe singing it too, whatever you got to do. And then that goes in the movie. And not just you're not just like hiring somebody who has no background in music to come up with stuff for you. That's a, that's a good prerequisite i was watching this movie what made me think of this whole episode was i saw uh, it's called laurel canyon um Mm. it's a movie it's okay it's all right christian bale is in it he's he's in a very um kind of subdued role francis mcdormand and the guy from sparkle horse 
Uh, does the songs, but it's, it's a fictional band in it. But the guy from Sparkle Horse is like, starts splitting no, at the seams that's, and now that's not Sparkle Horse. I think that's Band of Horses. I think oh, is what you're talking got, about. Got my horses confused. I forget the name of the song. It was like uh, Milk and Honey or something. I don't okay. know. Sparkle Horse fans are gonna kill me, but yeah, that uh, it was good. But it was songs that were not written for the movie. Like it was oh, just pre-release music. They so just that's not gonna count today. Their thing. They okay. right exactly, but. It's on my mind. I was also talking with someone the other day about the monkeys. Um, I don't know why, but like really the monkeys is probably one of the greatest fake bands of all time, but it's not even fair to put them in yeah, here. They're their own situation their going own on. Their own thing because they turn into a real band. Yeah. And they deserve their own episode. And like, I think if you're going to call them a fake band, you probably have to like call every band from the nineties and pop like in sync mm. and onward. Yeah. It gets, gets slippery. Yeah. There. Forcibly put together by the industry to sell records. So we're going to, they didn't play all the instruments themselves, like the Beatles, therefore they're fake. Right. Yeah, we're a little more yeah. flexible on that now. Yeah. It's more nuanced than that. I actually, I played a show where I was, I was playing, it was during CMJ when they still did that festival and uh, Mickey Dolenz, the mm. drummer of the monkeys, one of the, I would say the second most popular monkey had Davy Jones. Uh, he was playing a gig. Hey, like, Peter Tork? <laughs> I would say he's maybe third. And, and yeah, I was playing a gig in the same building. Oh, and It was shit. just like a different stage. And I ran into him in the bathroom. And um, I shook his hand after we washed our hands, of course. And uh, it was nice. It was a good meeting. I, I hope he wasn't uncomfortable with me confronting him there. You got to shake the hand of one of Harry Nelson's greatest drinking buddies. That's true. Congratulations. I should have brought that up. I really should have. <laughs> uh well, okay, so for starters, we're only looking at bands today, uh, fake bands yeah. that play original music for the purpose of that TV show yes. or that movie, whatever it is. Um, it has to be written exclusively for the fake band, sure. no cover bands, no Soggy Bottom Boys from My Brother Where Art Thou. Mm. You know, that stuff doesn't count because, like, those songs existed. I really wanted to talk about Lewin Davis because I love that movie, oh. but, like, it's all Dave Van Rock stuff. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's too bad, but kudos to Oscar Isaac for being really good. Um, I want to get some honorable mentions out of the way. And these might be some of your favorites, so okay. I, I hate to shoot this down. Before we get started, no, I haven't seen Daisy Jones and the Six, so guess what? That's not on here. I don't okay? know what that is. People keep telling me to watch that show. Uh, it's like a Fleetwood Mac kind of thing. Uh, Daisy Jones what and I, the Six. Is that like a new Netflix it, show or some shit? I don't know what it's on. Okay. But people will talk about it. It's like a Fleetwood Mac thing. And it's making people really hate Lindsey Buckingham. Is it a documentary? <laughs> I, you keep saying it's a Fleetwood Mac thing. I can't parse it's, that out. It I don't know a, what that means. It's a band called, I think, Daisy Jones and the Six. It's based on Fleetwood Mac. Okay, okay. All different songs. The 70s, them. cocaine. Right. Hot people hooking yeah. up with each other in a band. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they're not, they're not on here. They maybe should be, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I want to get some small ones out of the way. Uh, the Wonders, That Thing You Do. Yeah, that was going to be on my list. Good song, written by Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne fame. Yeah. Uh, gets a little bit annoying by the end of the movie. Uh, still a great pop song. But guess what? Like, we're talking about the best fake bands out there, and they really just have that one song, okay? And that's kind of the point of the movie. Mm. So they're getting an honorable mention. I'm talking about Body of Work yeah, of a yeah. fake band. Yep. Another mention, honorable mention here, Eddie and the Cruisers. If you've ever seen that movie, uh, really fun film. There's been a song called On the Dark Side. It's a one-hit wonder situation. If you want to see, like, basically a movie about what Springsteen's life could have been, 
you should watch this film. This sounds exactly you could like read the biography of Southside Johnny. Read the biography, right? Yeah, listen to and read the biography of Southside Johnny. Uh, last honorable mention: Stillwater from Almost Famous. Oh um, yeah, of course. I don't like any of those songs. I don't like that movie. Gonna go um, out on a limb. It's all right. No, it's I, all right. It's not for me. But anyway, let's get into the real sure meat of things the here. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let me send this over to you. Uh, have you heard of the Ruddles? Yep. Okay. The Ruddles are a Beatles parody band with very strong Monty Python ties conjured by Eric Idle and Neil Innes. Uh, it was originally a sketch on Eric Idle's sketch show. It was like, uh, uh, I forget the exact name. It was like Rutland County something. And it, that's why it became the Ruddles. Uh, people love the sketch so much that they made it into a mockumentary movie called All You Need Is Cash, which sounds like a Frank Zappa <laughs> Uh, album cover, album title. Uh, George Harrison loved this project yep. so much so that he's even in the, the mockumentary in a very funny role where people <laughs> are like carrying uh, uh, various objects out of the Apple offices. Uh, this song is called Cheese and Onions. It's just a pitch perfect Lennon rip, mm. like the slapback vocal, the delivery, psychedelic lyrics with poignant expression, nails that, that pepper feel. It's from the album Submarine Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and really nice changes. They're really nice changes. And, and I think this, this band does have a deep discography, like Cheese and Onions, Get Up and Go. There's, get there's a up bunch and of, go. <laughs> get up and go get, back home. Get back, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's, we could have a whole episode just on their shenanigans. It's good yeah. stuff. And it comes, and I think a lot of the, the parody stuff we talk about today, because there's a few of these, it comes from a place of obvious love. And I think that's where it's oh, the best. Yeah. You know, when Absolute it's... reverence. Right. I mean, Eric Idle was besties with George Harrison. Yep. They were close, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It always, yeah, you get a chuckle out of it. Even if you don't recognize the song, I feel like there's something in it that's... Yeah, yeah. No, this, is, this is a really, this is a perfect parody song right here. And it gets to a point where the, between the changes and the production, like, it gets really nice. By, by the ending, you're like, oh, I actually, I'll hum this after I'm done. I mean, I get, I get the feeling that's going to be a pretty important criteria of all your choices. Is just you can put this on and enjoy it. It's, it's. Uh... Yeah, are the songs actually good? I mean, and and I think these bands that we're talking about do have good songs. Maybe hokey, whatever. But like the songs, they they stick with you. Cool. All right. Well, let's check out the Ruddles, Cheese and Onions. piano <laughs> doing the day in the life thing Who's singing? Neil Innes. He's like the, the John Lennon character. Oh, 
This could be a real song. Yeah, oh no, you switch the lyrics out with something less insane. (laughs) It's just damn catchy. Did George Martin produce this? (laughs) I don't think so. Love that tune. Um, Have you ever heard of uh, Beetlefest? I have not heard of Beetlefest. So, I mean, these are my people. Uh, Beetlefest is like, I, I think, I, I guess it takes place all over the country, but I've only ever obviously been to it on the East Coast. They used to hold it all the time out in Jersey. And this was when I was uh, a kid on Long Island. Uh, I'd go out with my dad to somewhere in the Meadowlands to, to see this. I mean, it was always at like a, a, a smaller than normal hotel that they would have it. And it was just a bunch of people who... Some folks who were just like taking their kids in and stuff, but then there were people there who were like, I am a Beatles lifer. Like I go to every one of these, like this is my identity. Yeah. And I went there a few times and and I went there once when Neil Innes was there because the Ruddles had come out. This is right after the Beatles anthology. They came out with a record called Archaeology. Oh, instead of Anthology. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I saw him play and uh, it was magical. Like he did a great job and uh, I was like eight years old, something like that. Yeah, it was a very, very fond memory I have of this band. That's dope. All right, let's take, let's take it in a very different direction. So I'm going to send you okay. something new here. So The Folksman. Have you heard of The Folksman? Oh, <laughs> yes. I love Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest is really like, he's a chameleon. Uh, I think he's a comedic genius. I mean, well, he's so... movies, yeah. At least three of them. Some I, of the just, best comedy movies ever, ensemble comedies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. A Mighty Wind is the band that, yep. that, it's, that this is from. It's a very underrated. Uh, a Mighty Wind, the, the movie from like 2005. Yeah. 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 Uh, this band in particular is such a fantastic parody of 60s folk. It mm. has to come from that place of love. Um, it's just like wildly hokey and so not self-aware that it's like endearing. Like I think some of that music is. Um, it's, it's that combination that makes like Puff the Magic Dragon like somewhat listenable. <laughs> you go back to it like, wow, they're just so not so sincere. Yeah, so sincere. And great vocals. That's the important part. Exactly. Beautiful harmonies. Yeah. yeah. This could sit next to, this is a song called Old Joe's, Old Joe's Place, could sit next to a whole lot of like Peter, Paul, and Mary type stuff. This is parody of the highest order. A classic forgotten 60s uh, folk scene gem. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. You could really pick, there are, there are three or four different bands in that movie. Any of those bands would fit on this list, I think. But this, this band in particular, they have a few good ones. So I figured let's yeah, include them I'm here. more of a Mitch and Mickey fan myself. <laughs> Eugene Levy's performance in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And they can't find him. He's like, like, you know, stumbling around New York. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I haven't heard this one in a while, but I remember this being a knee slapper. Yeah. Old Joe's place. It's a good one. Yeah. And it's like the guy from Harry Shearer, the guy from uh, The Simpsons and uh, Michael McKean mm-hmm. of uh, Better Call Saul fame. He's in Better Call Saul, huh? Wow. Got to get on that show, man. I do. Yeah, let's check out Old Joe's Place. Whenever I'm out a-wandering, chasing a rainbow dream, I often stop and think about a place I've never seen Where friendly folks can gather and raise the rafters high 
that right with there songs and tales right of yesteryear until they say goodbye. Well, there's a puppy <laughs> in the parlor and a skillet on the stove and a smelly old blanket that an Navajo wolf. It's like you think it was table, real up until that point. Right. There's always something cooking at old Joe's place. Now folks come by around evening time as soon as the sun goes down. Some drop in from right next door and some from out of town. Pick it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a puppy in the parlor and a skillet on the stove and a smelly old blanket that an Navajo wolf. There's popcorn in the popper and a porker in the pot. There's pie in the pantry and the coffee's always hot. There's chicken on the table, but you gotta say grace. There's always something cooking at old Joe's place. Didn't Dylan do a version of this? Yeah, self-portrait or something. Now they don't allow no frowns inside. Leave them by the door. Another self-portrait. There's apple brandy by the keg and sawdust on the floor. So if you've got a hankering, I'll tell you where to go. Just look for the busted neon sign that flashes. E, a, o's. Well, there's <laughs> <Okay>. a puppy. <laughs> That's just really good. I mean, it's just so, it's so hokey and delivered with maximum effort. And I think that's what, like, that's that era of folk music, like, you know, very popular, sort of superficial folk of the, the Peter, Paul, and Mary kind. That was great. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take it in a direction now that's a little bit different. You playing Spinal Tap next? No, not next. Uh, so there's this show called Metalocalypse. Yeah, there is. Um, the band in the show is not called Metalocalypse. The band is Death Clock. I don't know if you'll hate this one, but I, I used to watch Metalocalypse. I'm I'm familiar. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I mean, Murder I, Face, yeah, love him. Right. This show is really great because I mean, it's a show about a metal band that is essentially the most popular band that has ever existed. To the point where they have like, you know, the GDP of a country. They're the seventh largest economy in the world or something like right. that. I mean, Taylor Swift's getting there though. Yeah, I, oh I thought goodness. about Metalocalypse and Death Clock when I saw that <laughs> report recently that she pulled in like four billion. Yeah, that is, I think, a scarier prospect than the show. But uh, the concept of the show is already hilarious because metal is such a niche genre. <laughs> anyway, it's like right. never, totally not possible to get this place, but the whole world loves them. And there are dark forces at play, trying to harness their power. Uh, but the band members themselves are just like complete fools. And uh, the music, though, is really technically proficient, and it's huge, and it's fun, and it's silly. Brandon Small is the guy who, who wrote the show, created the show, and does a lot of the voices. He, I believe, plays almost all the instruments on this music. He's pretty talented. Yep, he's uh, definitely a metalhead, a shredder. Yeah, you know, I I don't like metal music, but the show is funny, so I definitely sure. got over that hurdle for the sake of... Uh... Is this from... Uh, so the song, it looks like you shared Awaken. What's like... Uh, where in the show does this happen? Is this like a, a special one of theirs? Or? No, it's just one, you know, one of the... They usually have a song per episode, especially in the earlier seasons, and uh, this is one I just... I really enjoy. All right. Yeah, you're more of a metalhead than me. I guess. I mean, you know, on the spectrum of metalheads, we're both towards the other end, but yeah. All right. Awaken. Well. (laughs) (laughs) 
metal, alright. It's just so fun. And it's great because the show, you know, like these guys are just like morons. Then they play the music and they're like, you know, gods. They are really great. Yeah. It. And I think they're so good that it actually has gotten like some people I know into metal music in a way they didn't think was possible. Which is, uh, you know, says something about their quality. Or his quality. They're not real. They're not? This would be the part of the show where, like, hundreds of thousands of concert goers have their like heads chopped off or something. A lot of brutality. Yeah. Whenever the music plays. <laughs> it's committed. Yeah, it's very committed. Yeah. There's uh, there's an episode they have for any of musicians listening to this. It's an episode they have about the recording process that I think is one of the best representations of what it's like to record of, of any any medium. Is that where you they're like watch in a submarine 10 miles um, under the sea that's, surface? That's or one of them. There's another one. There's, a, there's another one where uh, they're just like getting like buzzing sounds and like trying to figure out strategies for uh, how to address it. And he wants to wear his like chain mail. It's making <laughs> too much clanking. Classic stuff. It's good stuff. We're going to go in a very different direction now to a place that you're going to love. I know we've, we talk about this band fairly regularly. Uh, you knew they were going to be on here. You love them. I love them. The Blue Jean Committee. Oh, Fred Armisen, Bill Hader. Yeah. We could have started there. <laughs> I don't know why this is so good. Like, I mean, obviously the two of them are great, but... It just keeps like a being a part of my life. It's such a it's such a nothing bit, <laughs> but I love it so much. What what song of theirs are we gonna hear? Let's do uh, Massachusetts Afternoon. Oh, good call. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you know they were saying they thought that Eagles Doc was so hilarious because it was these guys treating each other like complete shit and acting like maniacs, and then the music is like the most lightweight stuff. Yeah, it's so soft it's like, and what, gentle. What are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. like it's, it, they're just acting like maniacs and making light music. Um, this band has a bunch of good songs. They, yeah, Gentle and Soft, Catalina Breeze, Massachusetts Afternoon, Freeway Song. Uh, but yeah, I think Massachusetts Afternoon is one of the, one of the high points. This, this started, this was, I think, initially a, an SNL sketch. And then later they made it the documentary now episode where the you know the rest of that EP they made right. came from, but I think it started with this song. I think the Folkman, Old Joe's Place. I think that band also might have started as an SNL thing in the eighties. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, Massachusetts afternoon. Let's do it up. Massachusetts afternoon, hanging out on the porch. Drinking cinnamon beer with you Massachusetts <laughs> afternoon This really sounds like Ween Staying at my cousin's place And writing love letters to you You know when you drive into town And you make that second right onto Locust Street You've never seen so many pretty, pretty girls Walking down I, the boulevard I know Locust Street you know what I'm talking about. 
But the prettiest of them all, without a shadow of a doubt, is a six foot tall beauty named Lucia. She's got the big hazel eyes that make the boys go crazy like. I hate his vocals. <laughs> it's. They know exactly but what he's doing. This boy right here kept his cool in the heat of the moment when he opened the door for her as she stepped into Mikey's bowling lanes. You've never seen so much chivalry in one broke ass Northampton city kid. Hi, Northampton. Massachusetts <laughs> afternoon. Hanging out on the porch. The joke, I think, on the SNL sketch was that, like, this is a band, they just got signed, and they were going to go national. And they were talking about, he was like, well, people Staying say I'm a great songwriter, I'm a great lyricist, but like, you know, see what you think. And basically like, they're absolutely going to fail because the music is so location specific. And the Northampton streets are covered in those bright orange leaves. And nighttime is a time when everybody's He's out. just singing about my town, man. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, if you want to find me and the guys, we'll be at the Empty Glass Inn playing pool with old man Jones. <laughs> And beautiful Lucia with those long Northampton legs Dancing to the jukebox all night long I'm gonna mention Neil Watering Hole next? What's going on here? Oh man, that's good stuff Yeah, that and Catalina Breeze I think are classic the Catalina Breeze, like those first few lines in that song Are so steely Dan It's <laughs> like, a Boston intellectual And it's just like, oh man Master's degree in small talk Yeah <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, all right, last. It's been a whirlwind journey. Definitely here. not least. I mean, this is the best. This is the best fake band of all time. You know who I'm going to talk about here. It's Spinal Tap. Like, it's not even close in terms of fake, the <laughs> fake band competition. They like, Christopher Guest uh, strikes again here. The Folkman, Spinal Tap. They He, like, started this thing, yeah. right? The, like, mockumentary of rock bands like pointing out the silly stuff in that world. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And Rob Reiner had a big hand in this too. I mean, he's got like, I don't know how involved he was in the songwriting, but I mean, he's got songwriting credits on the record, but yeah, he made the film, but uh, you know, this has Christopher Guest written all over it. And, and, you know, Michael McKeon too, uh, and Ari Shearer, like they have the songwriting credits on the record. Uh, this band's discography is deep. You got Hellhole. Hellhole. You know where you stand in. Um, Listen to the flower people. Uh, but there is no finer fake song than Stonehenge. I mean, that's just <laughs> like the apex of fake hey, songs. Honorable mention for Lick My Love Pump. Lick My Love Pump. Uh, not just comedies, but movies. This is like one of the best. And so much of it comes down to the music and how good it is. Like if it was only funny, it wouldn't be as good. And I think a lot of the funnier ones we looked at today, like that's the case. You know, they wouldn't live on if they were only funny. They had to be good songs, too. And this is like a rip on Zeppelin and uh, like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden mm. uh, and even like the Stones. But uh, again, it's done with love. In ancient times, <laughs> hundreds of years before the dawn of history, an ancient race of people, the Druids. No one knows who they were or what they were doing, but their legacy remains. 
That's just excellent. It's just excellent storytelling. I could see Emerson, like, and Palmer getting in on oh, this. A hundred percent. And that little, like, bridge they have there. I like this part the best. Yes, I forgot how good this part is. It's great. It's a really well-written song. It just also happens to be hilarious. Excellent. Excellent. Good so who, who did I leave off in your mind? Who did you think I was going to do? I was going to do that thing you do, but besides that, mm -hmm. the other ones I had, you didn't, you didn't bring them up. So I want to keep them to myself for when I cover oh, oh, this wow. in the future. Okay. Yeah. We're being like that. Sure. Mum's yeah. the word on that. Okay. Um, all right. So what are you, what are you listening to this week? Listen, my opinion. My segment this week. Well, well, I got to tread lightly here. I think I got to be careful because I am talking about an artist that is very near and dear to your heart. Uh, I'm certainly a big fan of them. And it's so funny at the beginning of uh, the record this week, you talked about going back and covering topics we've already done because that's exactly what I'm mm -hmm. fucking doing today. I'm talking about an artist that okay. maybe two episodes in, you covered this person and I know if you talked about him now, you do a much better job. I'm not here to throw shade or anything. But when you talked about this artist... Sounds like you are throwing shade, but okay. No, no, no. When that's, you talked about this artist, filled. the artist being Randy Newman. Okay. When you brought Randy Newman up and you were trying to uh, sing his praises, obviously. We're, we're both fans. He's, he's a huge titan in songwriting. Uh, mm. You didn't really... The songs you picked... None of them really stuck with me. They weren't the Randy that I really love. You you went like advanced level. Okay, uh, Randy Newman. So you're gonna, you're gonna do more of a beginner's intro to Newman, the songwriter, yeah. not the not that guy shaking hands with Buzz Lightyear that you just put on behind <laughs> you. I'm talking about the Randy Newman that I love, and also obviously there's all sorts of people tuning into the show, but I am anticipating a listener who knows that they should have respect for Randy Newman. They know that he is like an accomplished artist beyond just doing songs for Pixar. Do people know that though, just offhand? I think if they're tuning into Losing My Opinion, they at least know that. A lot of other people have never heard of him. They don't know any of his, his songs. So maybe I can, if you've never heard anything Randy Newman, I'll, I'll try to, to speak to you as well. But that's where I'm, you were, you were doing a senior thesis level. Okay. Uh, Newman appreciation. I'm, this is 101. Is, okay. Is, this is an intro class. Yeah. Class is now in session. This is a, a 300-person lecture. You have I am the professor. Yeah, everybody's yeah. hungover. They're just on their iPads, not listening to me. This is an elective. No one actually likes music in the class, except for like four people that sit up front. Yeah. They don't have to do shit to get their B+, plus, uh, mm. and then they're all going to graduate and not be employable right away. But... Uh, <laughs> Come to you today, talking about Randy Newman. I love him. You, I think you might be a bigger fan of him overall than I am. I would am, say I probably am. Yeah. I he's got so many songs that mm, I do. I hold dear. I respect his whole vibe. Him as a singer, as a deliverer of songs. I really, depending on the song, I have great affection for that. Uh, let's get into it here. 
Uh, a big part of my argument for today is going to be that I don't think his career, his legacy could have or should have gone any other way. He did exactly what he needed to do when he needed to do it. Um, I think your take was more, hey, people just make a big joke of him on Family Guy and Mad TV. Yes. And, you know, he's he's just pigeonholed as the Toy Story guy. What the hell? And you were kind of coming at it a, with a sense of injustice. From a place of rage. Yeah. So where, that's where I appro- how I approach most things in my life. <laughs> Got that Jersey hothead thing going on. <laughs> but I'm cool, calm, and collected. I'm perfectly happy with all of it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it here. So Randy Newman before Disney, what's the big Randy Newman song in your mind? What's the big Randy Newman hit when he was just doing his thing as a solo singer songwriter? I love LA. Yeah. That, that's a good answer. And, oh, and short people. Yes. Which I, I take offense to that song, but yeah, as a, as a person on the shorter side. So you take offense as a short person to the no, song? No, I'm just kidding. Short, I don't okay. take offense to it. I get the point. I get the point of it, but I know people were pissed about it at the time. Dude, like my former coworker, a very like intelligent, grounded person who, you know, grew up in the 70s. I we were talking about music at one point. I'm like, "Oh, and I love Randy Newman." She's like, "That guy, like the bigot." I this comes up so often that he is the things that he the characters he sings about and it makes me scared for songwriting in general. That like just it it's impossible to <laughs> sing as a character or like to not sing anything other than this is what I woke up and did today that people would not be able to handle it. If you're walking in that pop music territory, here's the thing. Pop music on all right, and if we're talking about back in the seventies and eighties, it was a time when people just put on the radio. Radio has no context. Randy Newman needs context. I don't know how you just waltz into one of his songs without knowing what's going on or what his deal is. Like, man, this guy is full of hate. Some people are going to figure it out. A lot of people just fucking aren't. A lot. A lot of people tuning in, the pop music audience of whatever time, now or back then, they're going to take things at face value. What a terrible song to have blow up. (laughs) Short people, what a terrible hit to have. I love L.A., there's still like undercurrents and like shit going oh, on in that, but you, that some, one's an yeah, easier. It's some rough stuff in that one. That that's still you can you can choose to take that on face value, and and Randy doesn't get in trouble. Short people, let let's let's listen to short people. Let's dig in on this. And again, if maybe you've never heard the song, you don't know what's going on. Let's just check it out. You're you're cruising along. You you don't know who this Randy Newman guy is. It's 1977. The album's Little Criminals. This comes on. It's a great song. I love it, but let's let's just sit in it for a little bit here. Love that piano. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be an Andrew Gold song and then it takes a real hard right turn. out of the gate hot
Bounce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get some Glenn Fry in there to be the voice of reason. <laughs> the Eagles, yeah. Glenn Fry is not the voice of reason, I think, in any room. So, a lot of people didn't make it this far into the song. They're not listening to the words that closely. Right. You're fucked. It's ridiculous, but don't put it past people to, you know? I mean, yeah. Great pop song. Ridiculous that he did that, like put his sense of humor and make that sort of statement the way he did in that it's a beautiful song. It's a great accomplishment. And yeah, not not great for your life and career overall, I would think. No, and it's, I think it's probably hard. I mean, the point he was making, to me, that song has always been about like the absurdity of hate oh. of the other. Yeah, it's clear like, as day. It's just so ridiculous. And, and to present it in this way, in, in, in such an obviously ridiculous way, um, I th- thought people would get that. And at the time, I, I remember reading, like, you know, that people were thinking that he really meant this, and that is just madness. And you think about some of his other songs where he's even more um, brutal in his thought process in a way that I think is probably, unfortunately, a lot more realistic with the way certain segments of the population in America feel. Um, it can get pretty nasty for his reputation then, which I think it, it still does, even with people of our generation. Yes. Well... I have more thoughts on all that, but that sounds like a good segue to go into talking about the good old boys album. Yeah. Uh, so what we just heard was from 77, Little Criminals, because eh, going back to the short people motif. Uh, but before that, you had the album Good Old Boys, a concept album, I would say. Sort of, yeah. Uh, a bunch of characters in the South speaking on different, you know, sometimes taboo, tricky things from their point of view. You know, I would love to listen to the song Rednecks. We're not going to do it. <laughs> We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But that's that's, that's one of those where um, I think very obviously it crosses a line. You know, you can't now you it does. sit here and yeah. defend that song, I think. And he and he doesn't either. You know, I think in a recent interview I saw there, he was on Vice. They were like, would you do that now? And he's like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. To do that in 74, you were already like, and now it's a, yeah, unthinkable it's a complicated enough topic if you want to hear Randy go into detail on it on Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. That's how complicated it is. You got the king of pop science going over it for a, a whole half hour on revisionist history. Knock yourself out. We're going to skip over that one. But Good Old Boy is probably my favorite Nilsson album. I just love the whole thing, top to bottom. Newman. Newman album. But Nilsson sings oh. Newman is good. Oh, I did it. Yeah, Nilsson sing Nilsson sings Newman is my favorite Newman album. Uh, but after that, <laughs> uh, Good Old Boys, nineteen seventy four. He's he's like the Mark Twain of popular music. Freaking Randy Newman. Yeah, he is. That's a great like a, you know, yeah, satire and satire poignancy, just capturing a moment, a historical point of view. Because you know he's his whole vibe is like I imagine him as like a town hall clerk in the 20s in New Orleans wearing an all-white suit. Like that's the Randy Newman sure. vibe is like old Americana. Like he sings like he's from the South anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, much like I don't think kids nowadays are reading uh, Huckleberry Finn in elementary schools anymore. No. Some of Randy Newman's catalog you, you got to be careful with. But I want to play one of my other all-time favorite Newman songs, uh, Birmingham. 
Oh yeah, it's a great song. Uh, so we're going we're going a level deeper than just short people. I love L.A. You know that this this tune's still got a, a bop to it. Um, this is not though. You're getting into my territory now, though. I feel like like short people. You were staying on surface level, kind of like here's the doorway to Newman. This is, I think, a deeper yeah cut. I mean, it's still it's a jam. You know, as great as the writing is and his his vocal delivery, like he takes on these characters. That's all great. The music is still bopping too, and he he's responsible for much of the arrangements, beautiful melodies. Like it's again, it's the whole package. Uh, he's got a little something for everybody. Let's check out Birmingham. That's such a tight album cover, too. Mm. This <laughs> blurry. <laughs> this couple at a restaurant, yeah. Got a wife, got a family. Earn my living with my hand. Rolling is still downtown Birmingham. My daddy was a barber. Most unsightly man. My bad. He was born in Tuscaloosa. He died right here in Birmingham. 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 The greatest city in Alabama. You can travel across this entire land. There ain't no place like Birmingham. You kind of always knew he was going to write for film, right? You kind of did. Parts coming up in a little bit here. Got a big black dog, his name is Dan. Live in my backyard in Birmingham. He's the meanest dog in Alabama. Get him, Dan. <laughs> All right, so even right there, I got the meanest dog in Alabama. Get him, Dan. What? What? Like you could read so much yeah. into that. Like, who is yeah. this asshole? Like, what's he doing with this, <laughs> yes. this mongrel, this animal? And he just right. slips it in there. It sounds so yeah, nice like, and smooth, but yeah, like he's like dangerous. He's a dangerous man yeah. right here. Yeah, ah, I love that's it. Good stuff. Yeah, and that song. You know, the the uh, one of his uh, superpowers, I think, is the, is his concision. That song right there goes through. Uh, uh, two genre changes. It tells a whole story. There's this instrumental break in it, and it's less than three minutes. It's two minute forty five yeah, second song. We we only heard two minutes of it just now. Yeah, it's, it, his songs are so tight and concise and pack so much punch. It's just like, you know, he's not a uh, he's not a three chorus man. You know what I mean? He's not a three chorus songwriter. It's just he does what he needs to do when he gets out. He's a master songwriter, and I love his first album. Like the when you're going back to oh, like sure. 68, yeah, like even his his earliest songs, his earliest solo work, is beautiful and it's up totally up to the same standard. If anything, I I might say like the vocals aren't quite as there yet. So whenever you can mm-hmm. get 
Harry Nilsson singing instead, I would spring for that, but <laughs> spring for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, buy that record. Yeah. But it's just, it's beautiful stuff. <sighs> He's as a pop artist though, if that was to just be his deal and his only thing is, so I got to make another hit for the radio. His, his songwriting, his muse stirs shit up too much. It's too contentious. Mm. It's too looking at things on multiple layers and, you know, playing with these tricky ideas. You know, more recently he wrote a song called Putin. Like, Randy Newman is, he's, it's, his songs are like Putin, looking Putin for a fight. <laughs> yeah. One leg at a time. It's too dangerous. Like, if that was to, if yeah. he was to really be, I don't know, like Dylan level, he's, he's asking for trouble. Yeah, no, he'd never get there. He, he, it's too, yeah, it's too inflammatory. I think in no other era could he have risen than the one that he did. I mean, a couple of years later, and he just it wouldn't have happened at all. And he couldn't have risen any higher than he did. I think no, in a way he wasn't no. the victim of like bad management or anything like that. No, he's just really the victim of, uh, of his of his, his own, own artistry. Yeah, his own artistry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's here's uh, my next tune here. I think is more universal appeal than the past two songs we did. I had certainly been covered more often. Artists like Nina Simone. Uh, mm. I happen to like the original more than Nina Simone's version, which is insane because she's like one of the best vocalists. Yeah, usually of all when time. Nina Simone covers something, it's just like, oh, that's the song right there. I mean, her version is great too, but his original rendition of his song Baltimore. Mm. Uh, Again, we're going back to the Little Criminals album, uh, 1977. This is just, this is undeniable, this tune. This, this shuts down all the jokes right here. And it's still, it's still catchy. It's not too abstract or, you know, hard to wrap your head around for a newer listener. Check out some Baltimore here. I believe this has some, a couple Eagles singing harmonies on oh, it. Oh, yeah. He works with the <laughs> Eagles a lot. <laughs> yeah. Have we talked about that very funny video on youtube of him linda ronstadt and rye cooter playing a song together and it's very funny it's really oh, yeah? funny he says he sounds like kermit the frog it's, it's just it's really good you should if you're listening out there you should, this sounds interesting to you you should watch it you a fan of this one? Oh yeah i love this song beat up little seagull on a this is the second song about a city that we've listened to. Trying to find an ocean, <laughs> it's always like, you know, just like you said, the layers. It's always, th it's not just the lyrics. There's three or four emotions in that piano part. In a hard would have been too on the nose if this was in the wire, right? The oh, shit. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, too much. In the hide your faces. In the hide your eyes. Cause the city's dying. And you don't know why. Oh, oh. 
listen to that new Simone version again. It's been a while since I heard that. Yeah. Do it up. So, yeah. We love it. Uh, we love it. <laughs> it's a haunting-ass tune. But yeah, Randy Newman, man of uh, Southern California, Los Angeles native. He can just go all over the place. He can sing about Birmingham, Baltimore. But... Is it? Oh, go for it. No, you... you Bip, bop. Is the storytelling? It's storytelling. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's novelistic songwriting. I remember I read, not that this is the greatest endorsement, but Bukowski said that he only listened to like two pop songwriters. One of them was, I think, Harry Nielsen. The other was Randy Newman. Those are the people he liked. And it's like, it sort of makes sense, uh, especially in the Randy Newman side, because it's just like, yeah, he's like a novelist in the way he approaches the songwriting. And especially in that it's not personal. I mean, it sounds personal because of the way it's delivered and how moving the changes are in the arrangements, but um, it's character-driven stuff. Which goes to my point back at the uh, the top here with, I don't think his career should have gone any other way. He never stopped doing the solo songwriter thing, but he branched out wisely, mm-hmm. very wisely, to be the, the Pixar guy. Yeah, now he's rich. That's, yeah. I don't know. Do you know about the Newman legacy, like the family of Newmans in Hollywood? No. So Alfred Newman. Uh, his, Alfred E. Newman? No, not Alfred E. Newman. Alfred Newman, I believe Randy Newman's great uncle, something like that, is like one of the top three just all-time famous, like groundbreaking Hollywood film score composers of, of like the golden age of Hollywood. And then from there, it's this whole huge family tree of Thomas Newman. And you got Maria Newman, David Newman. Like there's 10 different Newmans mm. working in Hollywood that do music for film. Like Randy Newman is just another part of that freaking juggernaut family and that legacy. Mm. It's, it's in his blood, literally. If you're going to do storytelling and do this beautifully orchestrated music, <laughs> You're going to meet a film yeah, director. You're there. Yeah. You're, you're on your way there. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, it was always in him. I think it was destiny. I think it was meant to be. He does great work. Oh, yeah. Your daughter has that song in the toddler playlist there. You got yep, a friend in It's in there. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's kind of undeniable children's music. So to round out this, this uh, thesis I brought forth, the last song I want to listen to of Randy Newman's it's from 1972. It's from the album Sail Away. Again, fucking Sail Away is yeah. <laughs> a huge hot potato of a... Jesus, yeah. I don't have time to go into that one. But uh, there's a beautiful... I mean, the whole album is beautiful, but there's a song on there that I think will start having you tear up on the show here. Uh, Memo to My Son. Oh, that song is spectacular. And another song, like, I don't even think that song cracks two minutes. No. I don't even think it cracks two minutes. We're going to end up it? listening to the whole thing here. It's a beautiful, Absurd. totally ready to go in a Disney Disney movie, uh, kid friendly mm-hmm. song that still has a lot of meat and, and interesting aspects, like as a composition, blah blah blah, music nerd terminology. But just this is 1972. We're decades away from the Toy Story days. This guy already had it in him, and it doesn't get him in trouble right. the way that freaking short people's gonna. So. <laughs> That's that's where I wanted to to land here. We'll we'll check out memo to my son. And a happy ending here, yeah. What have you done to the mirror? 
gun to the floor Can I go nowhere without you Can I leave you alone anymore? Is he convincing you as the tired father? <laughs> Can I leave you alone anymore I know you don't think much of me Someday you'll understand Will you learn how to talk, baby? I'll show you how smart I am. Wanna show you how smart I am. I'm gonna show you how smart I am. That's just that's good. It's a good line. Winner never wins. Winner never quits. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Beautiful song. It doesn't get much more beautiful maybe than that. Don't know how to walk, baby. Maybe you can't talk none either. Maybe you never will, baby. But I'll always love you. Yeah, maybe you never I'll will, but I'll always love you. I mean that. I mean I understood that concept before. Now I really understand that concept now. And then that other line too, which always made me laugh. When you learn how to talk, baby, I'm going to show you how smart I am. And then he says, I want to show you how smart I am. Like that's just it, such an interesting, complicated line that I get more and more as a parent now where it's like, you want your children to be proud of you too. And I don't think that's something that people talk about, uh, but he, he says it so openly in that song. It's just like, uh, yeah, uh, his, his writing moves me more now than it did when I was younger and um, it moved me then too. Yeah, I, I have a hunch I'm gonna appreciate this guy's music, his body of work more and more every year. There still are still albums I haven't gotten to yet. He's genius, all-time artist, and it's okay that he's not more popular. That's just fine. Yeah, leave him where he <laughs> Let's is. Let's not rock the boat. Yeah, he did all right, yeah. So that is my spiel on Mr. Randy Newman. I really don't have much else to to say here except uh, you got any shows coming up? I do not. I just played a show last week. How'd that go? It was good. It was fun. Yeah, riders around New Jersey, a bunch of different songwriters from the area. Nice to meet people. It was good. Um, and I still got my Niagara Moon gig coming up on December 2nd, mm. 9.30 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Saturday night, Luthier's Co-op. Oh, that's late. That's a late gig. Luthier's Co-op in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Uh, you might hear it mentioned in that Massachusetts afternoon song. I don't know, but that's that's that. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can certainly go ahead and subscribe to Losing My Opinion so you never miss a future episode. Mm -hmm. You can follow us at Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or I'm going to let you say it. X. X. The coolest social media site. Yeah. Everybody loves so X. So sustainable. Great numbers. It's great. And uh, yeah, Randy Newman, as a 70s singer-songwriter, I don't think he should have been more popular than he was, really. I think everything worked out mm -hmm. for the best in the end. I could be wrong now. We took, I forget that we literally have an element of him in every episode. He's our, our guardian angel. He's our guardian angel. Yeah. <laughs> so long, suckers.
We'll see you next week. We're in it. We're in it.